1995, Toy Story changed film and animation forever and led to three more wildly successful films. On this podcast, we're in the middle of our Toy Story franchise, where we are deconstructing all four movies. We're starting each episode with a brief history of how these movies came to be, a Toy Story story. Today, we are deconstructing Toy Story 2 and the unexpected journey that nearly killed Pixar, but led to one of the most acclaimed movies in animation. Welcome to Deconstructing a Fairy Tale, embarrassingly in-depth thoughts about Disney movies from two Disney parents slash fans. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm your host, Jill. So what does the return of Jafar, The Lion King 2, Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas all have in common? They were direct-to-video sequels that Disney produced in the early 1990s to follow their very successful animated films. So, in 1995, when Pixar's first film, Toy Story, was a monumental success, Disney immediately wanted a Toy Story 2. And just like those other sequels, this movie would never see a movie theater, but would instead be released for families to pick up on VHS from their local blockbuster video. Enjoy all the magic at home with these great Disney movies coming to video. Fortunately, Toy Story creator John Lester had already been thinking about what might happen in Toy Story 2. It began with a question. What happens to a toy when a kid no longer plays with them? It's kind of a sad question when you think about it because a toy's whole purpose is to be played with. This question came to John because he himself is a toy collector. He had five sons who loved to try and touch and play with all these valuable toys. And John caught himself forbidding his sons from playing with these toys. He laughed at himself because after all, these toys are manufactured, put on this earth to be played with by a child. So from a toy's perspective, what would it be like to be set aside for a collection? This was the beginning of Toy Story 2. As we mentioned in the previous episode, Toy Story was originally called A Tin Toy Christmas, and in it there was a character named Woody the Cowboy who was a part of a collection of toys known as Woody's Roundup. The Pixar team kept this idea for Toy Story 2. Furthermore, John Lasseter's wife Nancy really wanted there to be a strong female character in this movie, so later on they added Jessie to the Woody's Roundup game, but more on that later. Pixar was already busy on another movie project, A Bug's Life. A Pixar Animation Studios film. This was not supposed to happen. Squish him. A Bug's Life. Coming to theaters this Thanksgiving. They simply did not have the number of staff needed to make a Toy Story sequel. So they got creative. Pixar had a video game department, the Interactive Products Group, of 95 staff members who had created two Toy Story video games in the years since the movie came out. By number of minutes, this video game team had technically animated more Toy Story content than the movie animation team had. So Steve Jobs shut down the computer games division and reassigned all 95 staff to work on Toy Story 2. And by 1997, production was in full swing. You might think that because Pixar already had so many models for Toy Story 1 that making a sequel would be much faster. Disney thought this too. But computer technology had advanced a lot even in the few years since Toy Story 1. And in true Pixar perfectionist fashion, the animation team made all new digital models for Buzz, Woody, and the rest of the toy gang to give them a visual upgrade and make them more believable. The result was a better looking movie, but slow progress, and Disney was mad. 
What Pixar was making was way too good to be a direct-to-video release, and Disney knew it. But rather than shut down production, in November of 1997, Disney asked Pixar to prepare the film for a proper theatrical release. They had exactly two years, half the time they had to make Toy Story 1. And then, in 1998, the entire film was deleted. Yep, you heard that right, deleted. Technical director Oren Jacob was the first to notice Woody started to disappear. The Pixar computer servers had begun to delete the entire film one file at a time. The team scrambled to shut down the servers, but by the time they did, 90% of the film had been erased and there was no backup. Two years of work had suddenly gone and they would not have time to remake the film before the release date. So how did they save Toy Story 2? Well, funny story. Have you heard of a concept called remote work? In 1998, most people had never heard of such a thing. But another technical director, Galen Susan, was on maternity leave from Pixar after the birth of her son, Eli. And she wanted to continue working on the film while she was at home. So weeks earlier, Pixar had installed a special computer at her home with a full copy of the film on her computer. They wrapped the computer in blankets, strapped it in with a seatbelt into a Volvo, and carefully drove it back to Pixar campus where eight people carried the computer on a plywood sheet, like an Egyptian pharaoh. Inside, they discovered that all of the files were there, saving the film. In all, the incident only cost Pixar a few days of production time. After the deletion and restoration of Toy Story 2, the team was likely hoping for an uneventful path to release one year later but it was not to be. In the Christmas of 98, after the release of A Bug's Life and the promotional tour was done, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Pete Docter sat down to watch the latest version of Toy Story 2. It was not good. They had nine months to release the film and the version they had now was terrible. The Pixar team dedicated the winter vacation to rewriting the project almost entirely from the ground up. Production shut down on December 15th and came back after New Year's in January. When the story team repitched the movie, Disney was furious. There was no way you guys can rewrite this movie and release it on time. Pixar made two important changes to the story. Early on in the film, Wheezy introduces the idea that a broken toy will be discarded. Wheezy? Hey, Woody. What are you doing up here? I thought Mom took you to get your squeaker fixed months ago. Andy was so upset. Nah, she just told him that to calm him down. And then put me on the shelf. We're all just one stitch away from here to there. Later in the film, Jessie adds the emotional weight of losing your owner through her sad story about her owner, Emily. It's a three-minute montage scene set to Sarah McLaughlin's When She Loved Me that makes every person watching cry, child or adult. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. You never forget kids like Emily or Andy, but they forget you. These two changes added real emotional stakes to Woody's decision. He could stay with Andy, whom he loved, knowing that he would eventually be discarded as Andy grows up. 
or he could flee to a world where he would be pampered forever, but without the love that he was made for. In other words, would you choose to live forever without love? Of course, in the end, Woody chooses Andy, a choice he knows will lead to future sadness. But as he says to the prospector, I wouldn't miss it for the world. In November of 1999, Toy Story 2 was released to a roaring success. In a rare moment, many critics considered this sequel to be even better than the original, and today it is one of the highest scores in all of Rotten Tomatoes. It made half a billion dollars in the theater, nearly unheard of among animated films of the time. It was a wild ride that taught Pixar and Disney many valuable lessons that would shape the films they would make for many decades to come. So that was the Toy Story story. The Toy Story 2 story, I guess I should yeah. say. Um, it's a wild ride. We'll go into a little bit of those, of those details here in a second. But before we go any further, let's just remind everybody what happens in Toy Story 2. It might have been a while since you've seen it. So here's a quick overview. What happens to a toy if they aren't played with anymore? That's the primary question of Toy Story 2. As the film begins, Woody is stolen by a toy collector named Big Al, who intends to sell Woody and several other toys to a museum in Japan. Buzz and the gang set off to rescue Woody, but there's a problem. Woody meets Jessie, a cowgirl who has experienced what happens when a kid grows up and no longer wants their toys. Should Woody go to this museum and trade his few remaining years with Andy for an eternity behind glass? Ultimately, Woody goes back with his friends to Andy's room and brings his new friends, Jessie and Bullseye, with him. All right, let's talk about our fast facts for Toy Story 2. Guys, there are so many fast facts. A lot. We Like, we could have had, this could have been an hour segment by itself, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we've limited it down to some of our favorites. Jill, you go first. What was one of your favorite fast facts? Um, Toy Story 2 was the first sequel for both Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. That's Buzz and Woody. Yeah, that's wild because they're both such successful actors. They are. You tend to think that they they would have just been in a sequel, but yeah. there's no Forrest Gump 2, I guess. All right, so my first fast, fast fact is a big one. Uh, I, I'm a Star Wars fan, lifelong Star Wars fan, grew up on Star Wars, and there are a ton of Star Wars references in Toy Story 2, especially in the opening scene. So you may remember the opening scene is Buzz flying through space, fi- fighting Zerg. We find out it's actually a video game that we're watching. You don't really know it right away, but it's a video game. Um, so the reason there are so many Star Wars references in the first place, remember, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, Pixar was originally owned by George Lucas. And George bought the team that w- would become Pixar, thinking that it would help him to you know make his movies more believable. Uh, and, and it did, it really did. Um but and this movie also came out right before the latest Star Wars, which was Episode One, The Phantom Menace. And there's a lot of crossover between the Pixar team and the people who were doing the special effects over at Industrial Light and Magic for Star Wars. So just like listing some of those Star Wars references, um, Buzz flying through the canyon is a nod to the pod racer scene from the upcoming movie, The Phantom Menace. You're even going to hear some of the same pod racer sounds as Buzz is flying through the canyon. Um, the robotic scanning device that pops out of the rock to look for Buzz, it's like exactly the same as the gatekeeper droid from um, Return of the Jedi at Jabba's, Jabba the Hutt's palace. Um, when Buzz is traveling through the tunnel in Zerg's fortress, uh, there's a trap, like a spike wall trap, 
and it's very similar to what you see Luke going through in The Empire Strikes Back when he's going into the trap that Darth Vader has set with him. Of course, everyone knows the line um, that Zerg says to Buzz. You killed my father! No, Buzz. I am your father. No! That, of course, is a nod to uh, Darth Vader and Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, there's a part where Zerg goes, So, we meet again, Buzz Lightyear, for the last time. And it's very much a paraphrase of what Darth Vader says to Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars movie, uh, which is now called A New Hope. Uh, and then sound effects. Oh my goodness, so many sound effects from the scene. You got Buzz's laser is the sound from the blasters in Star Wars. You have the door that he falls through is the sound of the AT-AT walking on the planet of Hoth. Uh, the battery hologram is the lightsaber sound. Uh, Zerg's energy balls, when they like bounce off of the shield uh, that Buzz is holding. It's the X-Wing firing sound. So like so many Star Wars references crammed into this one scene. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's basically like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Wow. If you're a Star Wars fan, there's a lot there for you. It's a lot. Um, all right. Buster, who is Andy's dog is one of the few non-toy story characters who knows that toys can come to life. That is really interesting, because he interacts with Woody. Mm-hmm. Like, he and Woody yeah. have a game that they play, uh-huh. even, together. Yeah. It kind of makes you wonder uh, how, like, Woody's trained Buster. Yeah. Well, I would have liked yeah, to have seen that trained. short. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Pixar. That's... New short idea. Free from S- us. Yeah. Send us your checks. Uh, all right, so... Let's talk about Al from Al's Toy Barn. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about his backstory. Did you know he had a backstory? I didn't. All right, I mean. guys. I did a deep dive. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the Disney Adventures magazine? I think I've heard of that, yes. You have heard of yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, because I had a copy. Aladdin was on the front. So I th- I, I think it was a once per quarter. I don't think it was a monthly yeah. magazine. It was a once per quarter magazine that ran from 1990 to 2007. So it's not out anymore. The December 1999 issue of the Disney Adventures magazine uh, goes a little bit into Al's backstory. Now, you may remember this issue of this magazine because it's the one that has the 98 Degrees comic strip. Oh, so good. Yeah. Here's to you, Nick Lachey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always for you, Nick Lachey. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So it, it talks about the reason that Al is obsessed with toys is because his parents never allowed him to play with toys as a kid. Oh. Yeah. Wow. There's always a backstory. Always. Yep. All right. So Jessie, who's the cowgirl, was originally going to be a cactus called Senorita Cactus, but it was later decided that she would be a cowgirl. Yeah, I'm glad that she's a cowgirl. Same. Oh my God. What? That's. (laughs) What kind of toy is a cactus, first of all? Yeah. Yeah, a cowgirl seems obvious to me, so I don't know if they were like, let's not do a cowgirl, let's try a cactus. And then they're like, actually, no, that doesn't work. So you mentioned this a little bit right. in your summary, but John Lasseter was not supposed to direct this movie. He had the idea for Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. the starting idea of what happens if a toy is in a collection and not played with. But there were two other guys who directed Toy Story 2 originally, and then the movie was a mess. And so they said, John, can you please come direct this movie and, and fix it? Uh, at that time, his wife, Nancy, was like, hey, look, you got you to gotta spend some time with your family. We haven't seen you in years. So originally, after Bug's Life, John was supposed to have a break. Um, then, he, you know, he ended up directing Toy Story 2. And this is going to be the last movie that he directs 
until Cars in 2006. Mm. So he does get like a six-year break. Yeah. You know, so that's good. I'm glad for Nancy and the boys. Right. They yeah. got some time with, yeah. with John. Yeah. Uh, we learn Woody's full name in Toy Story 2. Did you know that? No. It's a, it's a small detail. So there are like different books and magazines that you'll see throughout Toy Story 2. I paused to look at all of them just to be able to, you know, try to learn something new. One of the things I learned is Woody's full name is Woodrow Theodore Cowboy. Mm. Yep. I think I did know that, actually. I'm going to start calling him Woodrow Theodore. That's a big name. When our son is like, Woody, I'm going to say, no, 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 no. that's Woodrow Theodore. (laughs) It's hard to say, too. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Woodrow Theodore, cowboy. So I got one more fast fact. Give it. Uh, Give it. So when Mrs. Davis, that's Andy's mom, when she puts Woody in the money box during the yard sale, so this is when Al is trying to buy Woody, and she says, no, 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 he's not for sale. So she puts Woody in the money box. You can see that there are $1 bills already in the money box. Mm -hmm. And instead of George Washington on the $1 bill, guess who it is? If you were to guess. Steve Jobs. It's Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, it is a clear that picture. That was my total guess. Yeah, which makes sense because he's the money behind he's Pixar. He's the money. Right? So, I love it. Yeah, amazing. So good. Okay, let's talk about what makes Toy Story 2 unique among the Toy Story franchise. Jill, you go first. What makes this unique? Um, In this movie, Woody learns that he is a character based on a TV show character. Oh, yeah, because he didn't know. He didn't know. Yeah. But I think, like, all the other toys know, like, hey, we came from the store or wherever, but Woody doesn't have that. Which is interesting because the Buzz Lightyears all come pre-programmed with a backstory. Right. Like, they all think they're space rangers. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, we, we didn't see when Woody first came to life out of his packaging, but it seems like he doesn't know his story at all. No. Which is interesting. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that makes this unique, it's the first time that we hear from a toy who has already been outgrown by her owner, mm. which is Jesse. You know, we're going to hear from Lotso. Kind of twice, though. Yeah. Because really. Wheezy. Wheezy and Jesse. Yeah, exactly. We're going to hear from Lotso in Toy Story 3, and then we're going to hear from several toys in Toy Story 4 uh, who are no longer with kids. This is the first time that's really introduced. Uh, and again, just like you said, kind of growing on the idea of Toy Story 1 uh, that we now have to deal with this really sad fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the only Toy Story that has a montage scene set to a song mm. that is not You've Got a Friend in Me. So we've got two movies that have a montage. So you've got a friend in me. That's Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 4. But this is the only movie that has another montage Mm -hmm. set to a different song. And that's When Somebody Loved Me or When She Loved Me, right? By Sarah McLaughlin. This is the only Toy Story that has two Buzz Lightyears in it. Oh, yeah. Simultaneously. I did think about that. That's one of the reasons that our son watches this This movie specifically. Two buzzes. Two buzzes. And and usually the way he asks is he says, I want to watch two buzzes. Two buzzes. Yep. Uh, my last thing I thought kind of made this un- this movie unique, not just among Toy Stories, but really among all of Pixar's movies. This is the first Pixar film that has that gut-wrenching emotional mm. moment. And that's going to become a staple of Pixar movies to come. It's true. But Toy Story 1 and A Bug's Life, neither of them have that, like, I'm going to sit here and weep moment. (laughs) (laughs) But Toy Story 2 does. And we're going to see it again with Monsters, Inc., with Finding Nemo, certainly with Up. You're going to see this happen a few more times. But it's the first time, uh, to my knowledge, in a Pixar movie 
Um, and uh, Randy Newman, who wrote the music for this song or for this movie, he actually did not think that this montage uh, song with Sarah McLaughlin doing the backstory to, to Jesse's um, owner, Emily, Randy Newman did not think that this would be a good idea, like either because kids would get bored of it or it would just be too emotional and too sad. Um, but um, I'm glad they kept it. I'm glad that Pixar is uh, willing to take some of these risks on those those emotional moments, even though we also hate them. All right, so uh, meaningful moments here in this Toy Story 2. Um, I mean, goes without saying, the montage scene. Yeah, we keep talking about it. Yeah. It's, it's the scene it's of this the movie. It's the scene in the movie. Yeah. Although, I do have to say, I can remember my sister being like, I cried in Toy Story 2, and I was like, what, where, when? <laughs> and she was like, when Emily gets rid of Jesse, and I was like, Why? And I guess I just was watching it for fun. Yeah. And then the next time I watched it, I was like, this is so sad. It is so sad. This is the first time I can remember crying in a movie theater. Oh, wow. I can remember. And I mean, it was a full theater. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. I was there uh, in Florida with my cousins watching this opening weekend. And I'm sitting there crying like a baby. And a lot of the auditorium was. Like, we're all like. (laughs) It's very relatable. And (laughs) I already have, like, I don't need reasons to throw things. Like. To hold on to things. To hold on to things. And this did not help that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've seen from Toy Story 2. My, my question out of this movie is what do the toys represent in all of these Toy Story films? Yeah. Like, if we just think about, like, from a story perspective, what is it that the toys themselves represent? What's the parallel to real life? And I think we start to see the answer to that in Toy Story 2. And I can kind of think of two, two answers. Uh, two things that I think the toys represent. Number one is, is childhood itself, just that phase of life. And number two is parenthood. So, like, if we just break that down... Like childhood, I think we first really learn what these movies are about in Toy Story 2 that these toys are representing childhood. Childhood is beautiful, it's this phase of like imagination, of innocence, it's very colorful and curious. Uh, it's also importantly, it's guarded by external figures who care for us and who keep us safe. But childhood is also fleeting, and that really hits home in Toy Story 2. It, it doesn't mean that childhood isn't important or it's not worth it, it's actually the opposite of what's true. Part of what makes childhood so precious is that it is so brief. And so every minute of it matters. And it's somewhere we can go to where that we're going to cherish forever. It's something mm-hmm. we can always look back to. And I think that's toys in these movies are standing in for just that phase of life. But the second thing that they could kind of be a metaphor, metaphor for is uh, parents, parents themselves. Uh, again, part of the reason that the parents in the auditorium in the theater are crying too is because the toys, they can see themselves in the toys. Um, You know, you can play with your kids. You can lead your kids. You can be with them every single day through the hard days, through the happy days. But then one day you've done your job and they're grown up and the kids don't need you anymore and they leave. So it's like in Jesse's song, it's really heartbreaking, but it's also still beautiful. And just like Woody as parents, you know, you accept that there is this impending heartache that's coming, mm-hmm. um, but you cherish every minute along the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like Woody says, I wouldn't miss it for the yeah. world, right? That's like my, for me, that line is yeah. is like the movie. It's like, Cause it's ugh. like, 
Yeah, this is going to be painful when he decides to get rid of me, but yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that line when he just says, so do I can't stop Woody, Andy from growing up, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. So good. It's the best. I mean, I think that's, yeah. that's how we feel yeah. about our kids, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you think, so if you were to give an answer to that, you know, what, the, what do the toys represent? Do you think that those two are kind of... Like, is that what you would say as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right, so let's yeah. talk about our theories, our Toy Story Love theories. It. All right, every episode, we're going to introduce a new Toy Story theory and break it down for you. Uh, last time, we asked the question, who is Andy's dad? And before we move on to today's theory, I think we need to revisit it. <laughs> We've had some new I'm information excited. come to light. Uh, from the depths of the internet. Um, all right. In 2009, John Lasseter started doing promo for Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. And Disney was releasing a new set of Toy Story toys that you could buy that were very realistic. And so John Lasseter, being a toy collector and toy lover himself, he did promo videos about these toys. And there's a short one. It's only a minute long on YouTube. And he says something very interesting that we're going to listen to right now. Woody the Cowboy. Woody is Andy's favorite toy. You know, we always thought that Woody was kind of a hand-me-down from Andy's father. And we envisioned that he was merchandising from a 50s TV show. And, of course, in Toy Story 2, you find out that it was the famous Woody's Roundup, that he was the star of. A hand-me-down from Andy's father. Yeah. Is that he's saying we always thought that, but he didn't say that's what it is. Well, that's because Andy's father is not in Toy Story. Right. He's not in any of the movies. So it's all, I guess, imaginative. You know, we always thought Woody was a hand-me-down from Andy's father. So this, to me, says... The creators of Toy Story have a couple things in mind. Number one, there is a father. Right. We talked about maybe they were adopted. Yeah. Um, and I guess you could maybe argue he's a, Andy's a foster, foster kid, kid who did have his biological father's toy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it does seem to, uh, to, I think it confirms that Andy's parents are divorced. Since we already decided it doesn't make sense that Andy's father's dead. Right, yeah. Um, I think he's divorced. Furthermore, let's talk about Toy Story 2. I think Toy Story 2 gives more evidence to this. Okay. Okay? okay. All right. So, in Toy Story th- uh, 2, we do realize that Woody is much older than Andy. Like, way older than oh, Andy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Andy is turning six in Toy Story 1. Toy Story 1 is 1995. That means Andy was born in 1989. But in Toy Story 2, we see that, uh, first of all, Andy's mom calls Woody, quote, an old family toy instead of my son's toy. When she's talking to, to Al, who's trying to buy oh, Woody, does she doesn't say, it's. I'm sorry, it's my son's toy. She says, I'm sorry, this is an old family, family toy. toy, right? Okay. Yeah. So number one, old family toy. Uh, number two, obviously, the 1950s TV show Woody's Roundup, the t- uh, Life magazine that's there is dated 1955. Um, and then based on Woody's conversation with Gabby Gabby in Toy Story 4, he says that he was manufactured in the 1950s. So Woody himself is like, 30-ish years old by the time he passes to Andy, which, I, I mean, so what was he doing all that time? Was he just in a box all that time? Well, I think John Lasseter here is saying, no, he belonged to Andy's father. 
who's maybe his name was Andy. He also, there's a part in uh, Toy Story 2 when Woody is first seeing all of the Woody's Roundup merch mm-hmm. and he sees the record player and he says, I haven't seen one of these in ages. It's the 1990s. Yeah. No one in the 1990s has a record player. They're cool now again, right. but they weren't in the 90s. But I'm also wondering, I think he had a toy from his grandfather. Okay. Emily's dad. Emily's dad. Wait. Wait, wait. We're getting ahead wait, of ourselves. Wait, I'm getting, We're getting ahead, way of ahead of ourselves. <laughs> All right, you're saying sorry, sorry. Andy's mom's dad, dad had Woody. Yes. Okay. Because I don't think she would say, I mean, I've, if the parents are divorced, would she, wouldn't she say it's my son's toy? Yeah, that's true. You're, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, but it's still, John Lasseter still says we always thought of Woody as Andy's dad's toy. But, I mean, yeah, he's just the writer, creator (laughs) He's just the creator of the whole thing. So I just wanted to revisit that. So let's move on to today's theory. Jill, what is today's theory? Today's theory is Andy's mom, Emily, Jesse's owner. Okay, so here's what we know. Something, a couple facts that we do know. We know, number one, uh, Andy has a mom. Right. We call her Mrs. Davis because we only know her last name. We know her last name's Davis, but we don't know her first name. Jesse had an owner mm-hmm. named Emily. Don't know her we last don't name. Don't know her last name. Right. And Emily donated Jesse uh, when she was going off to college, presumably. Okay. That those are the facts that we know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what you are saying is that uh, Emily, who's Jesse's is, owner, yeah, is, is Andy's, Andy's mom. mom. Is that true? All right. Let's talk about some evidence. Uh, number one, their age is the same. Yeah, it okay? works out. So, again, we know that these toys were manufactured in the 1950s. In Emily's room in that flashback, there are posters around the room that seem to be from the 19, yeah. late 1960s, early and 1970s. She has a record player, um, which would mean in the 90s, the 1990s, she would be about mid-30s, mm-hmm. which is the right age I for Andy's have, mom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It would line up. Yeah. Um, Andy wears a red hat, a red cowboy, cowboy, cowgirl cowgirl hat, hat. um, which is matches Jesse's hat, but also in the flashback montage, it matches the hat that Emily is wearing, except that hat has a white, like a white ribbon, a white ribbon. Yeah. And Andy doesn't. But you can see a faded mark. Right, you can see the faded mark, which yeah. I'm also like, it can be faded, or he could have just taken the white well, off. Well, that's what I think. I think he took the white yeah, off, same. and beneath it, it was faded. Yeah. yeah. Because my question is, wouldn't his hat, his hat should match Woody's hat, Andy's hat. Yeah, if Andy's choosing a right. cowboy hat, he would probably pick right. one that matched Woody. And the hat is not donated in the montage. Yeah. It's not in the box. It's true. So we don't know where the hat that Emily had, where that ended Mm -hmm. up. So maybe she kept the hat. Maybe she kept the hat and gave it to her son. Her son, Andy. I I think that's pretty convincing, honestly. I think that's our best piece of evidence. I do, too. Um, I think it's also worth noting her hair. Uh, Grown up, Emily has short auburn hair. Emily's mom's hair is also short. It is a little bit lighter, still a little reddish. Yeah. Reddish blonde, which, I mean, as you age, your hair can get lighter, right? I think that makes sense. children, you Um, change At the end of Toy Story 2... Andy doesn't know who Jesse is. He just gets Jesse. He doesn't know how or why. And he calls her Bazooka Jane um, because he doesn't know her real name. But in Toy Story 3, when Andy is giving his toys to Bonnie, he explains that 
Jesse's name is Jesse the cowgirl. Right. How would so, he have found out? Yeah. I think his mom saw it and said, Oh, that's oh, Jesse. Oh, that's Jesse the cowgirl. And we she know knew. that Andy's mom has not a problem getting rid of things. That's true. Toy Story 2, the moment that Andy leaves for cowboy camp, uh, Andy's yard mom, sale. yard sale, starts cleaning out the toys. Uh, Toy Story 3, like she, like the day Andy graduates high school, she's like, get rid of everything. <laughs> You're out of the house Back and so's room. your stuff. I want your stuff gone. It either needs to be in the garbage or in the donate pile, but it's not going to be here. So yeah, yeah, no, she keeps a tidy house. Yeah, and in the flashback montage, that room is empty. That room is empty. She's a minimalist, <laughs> right? She is Marie Kondo. This does not spark yeah, joy. Get out. rid of it. Get it out. It's out. Um, all right, so we will say, I love this theory. I subscribe to this theory. I'm into it. But Pete Doctor did say to mm-hmm. Entertainment Tonight in October 2015, he said, quote, we have our own backstory that's a little different than that. Yeah, a little different. A little different. That's why we're like... Okay, so Jill and I have our own theory. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we... John Laster seems to say that Woody belonged to Andy's dad, so... What if Jesse and the hat belong to Andy's dad's sister? Right. So that would be uh-huh. Andy's aunt. Uh-huh. And that she saw her nephew, you know, and was like, hey, I still have right. this, hat. this hat. What do you think? And, uh, mm-hmm. and gave it to her nephew, Andy. Mm-hmm. You know, because you think if they are divorced, presumably, if there's other extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, they still love Andy and Molly. Right. right? And so you think, presumably, there's still going to be a little bit of a relationship there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that also might explain how Andy finds out Jesse's real name. Could be True. his aunt. So since Pete Doctor says it's not, he said it's a little different, that mm-hmm. still makes us think it's in the family. Right. It's in the right family, but maybe it's not Andy's mom. mom, but Andy's aunt. Mm-hmm. That's our theory. And would you say that's your theory? Yeah, I like it. I like I'm just not too. thinking it could be the... S- the mom's sister, though. A- Andy's mom's sister. If, yeah, if his other Woody aunt. is from the grandfather. Yeah, it could just be a coincidence then that both sides of the family have a piece oh, of Woody's roundup. No, but. I was saying Woody came from her mom, his mom's dad. Yeah, that's true. And ignoring what John Lester said. Ignoring what John Lester yeah. says. Yeah, probably not a good idea. No. Um, okay, so that's our theory today. Guys... You know, share with us if you yeah, subscribe to know. these theories, uh, who you think uh, Emily is, if Jesse was in Andy's family originally. We'd love to hear your, your theories. Jill, what didn't you like about this movie? I don't really like Pete Stinky. Pete the Prospector? The Prospector, that guy. Yeah. I just don't like him. And I really don't love Jesse. She's not. What don't you like about Jesse? I'm sorry, Joan. I'm really sorry, but I don't like Jesse's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she has an awesome voice. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't like... It's just annoying. Yeah. You've described it, described it as a cheese grater before. <laughs> <laughs> I Every just, time you watch Toy Story 2, Jill's like, I hate Jesse's voice. I just am not... I don't love it. I don't love the cheese ball scene. Oh, yeah, that's that gross. That is gross. When he burps in Woody's face, yeah, that's gross. gross. Yeah. 
the only thing I really don't like about this movie is the dream sequence that Woody had. Yeah, it's like his I nightmare. Love that either. It's when he's first put on the shelf and he has a nightmare that Andy comes back from cowboy camp and immediately throws Woody away. It's creepy. I remember when I was a kid, this kind of weirded me out, yeah. kind of creeped me out a little bit. Um, and even still, every time I see it, I'm like, I think what they were trying to do is show that Woody is scared, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and that he has this really deep fear that now he's worthless because he has a tear. I just think they could have done it in a different way. Yeah. I don't think they needed it. Yeah, it's not great. Cool. All right, let's talk about our rating. Our rating. Jill, what's our rating for Toy Story 2? Theater night with pretzel bites. Is anyone surprised? I know. Theater night with pretzel bites. I didn't have pretzel bites when I saw this in theaters. I did have a big bucket of popcorn, though. Mm. And it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell you where I saw this first. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We're excited to continue our series on the Toy Story franchise. Next episode, stay tuned. Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. The third one. Get your Kleenexes out. <laughs>